Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the Fighting on Film podcast, the podcast all about classic and obscure war movies, from the Normandy landings to the days of chivalry and swords. If it's been captured on film, we're going to try and cover it. I'm Robbie of RM Military History, I'm Matthew Moss of Historical Firearms and the Armourer's Bench. We're back again with another one, and in the week that Fines was digging up Viking helmets um, in the dig, we're going to be looking at another group of entrenched men, take you all the way to Vietnam, and look at the 1988 film Siege of Fireblaze Gloria. Should be a good one. I'm yeah. looking forward to this. So it's the first Vietnam film we've covered on the pod. I mean, there are loads. You know, there's a massive glut of Vietnam movies that come out in the late 80s. Um, Platoon sort of kicks it all off. And yes, yeah, Siege of Fabulous Glory is sort of, it's a B-movie that comes out right at the end of the 80s. And it's just, it's cheesy. It's full of action. It's got some good, it's got some good scenes. It's got some horrific acting at times, but it's a fun romp. I mean, It's a tidy above average B-movie, I think. Mm. That's how I describe it to anyone. 
So yeah, I think we were saying on Twitter um, that we, we we think it's just above B movie quality, and, and I think that's a fair. I think it's a fair way to describe it, Matt. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's better than something like um, Chuck Norris's mi- uh, Missing in Action. No, oh, yeah, which oh, is uh, yeah. very hammy. Um, mm. But yeah, like you said, it's coming on the end of Platoon, Apocalypse Now, Full Metal Jacket, Hamburger Hill, all those like Call really Duty on TV. seminal. Yeah, it's yeah. all those seminal sort of like mm. Vietnam movies that came out the decade or so after the war. Yeah, you know, it kind of kind of made every everyone kind of like takes stock and think about the war i suppose yeah. i mean there's a lot of movies that were made during the time of vietnam that were were meant to be known but weren't so like beach red is one that gets sort of quoted that right, that right, movie's yeah. about Nam, mm. about the experiences of the soldiers in the jungles but yet it couldn't be made about Nam because of the political pressure and all things like that they didn't make them so kelly's heroes apparently is meant to be influenced by yeah Nam as well famously and mash yeah. too mash as well yeah. yeah but you know and then obviously america sort of it, the political landscape changes, all those sort of things happen, and then movies start coming out. And you know, we get some like absolute classics of cinema from the Vietnam conflict. You know, like Full Metal Jacket is always up there on the best movies ever list. You know, Kubrick is a genius. You know, what what can yeah. he do right? Um, so interesting to see all these little, I would say little of like smaller films, but all these sort of hanger on sort of movies in a way. Well, B movies, really. They're B movies. Yeah, B movies. They're, they're B movies. Mark Busters, um, as people like but this, to say. This particular B-movie benefits from having one of the stars of one of the best-known Vietnam War movies. We have Arlie Ermey. Oh, Gunny himself. Who's powerhouse in this, really, isn't he? he he's really good. He's, he's second billing, somehow, on the poster, but yet he's the main man. Yeah, so Wings Hauser, which is possibly the most American name possible, it is. is top billing. Yeah. And he's basically a fairly well-known like TV and B movie actor at this point. He'd been in yeah. quite a few. He'd been a, the villain in a couple of films in uh, like B movies and such. Apparently, um, provided the story for Uncommon Valor, which was a, a Patrick Swayze and um, Gene Hackman uh, Vietnam-inspired film in '83. Apparently, um, oh really? Yeah, it's oh. uncredited apparently, but that yep did some digging. Apparently, he's, he had his hands in that too. Well, he plays Corporal Joseph Donado. He does, yeah. Donado, yeah. And Amy plays Sergeant Major Bill Hafner, who are the two main sort of characters of the movie. Yeah, and they're like a LERP team, aren't they? Um, long range. Yeah, you're like uh, like Marine Force Recon or something like that. But they're, yeah. they're on like a long range patrol. They've been out for a few days. Mm. They basically, they come across a village that they've been to before where they've done like Hearts and Minds and they've you know, been it. chatting and gotten to know people. They visit this village again, and it's really visceral. Actually, everyone's yeah, dead. First, yeah, in the first like five minutes. Yeah, um, they, you know, it really throws on, you in. Heads on sticks. Mm. You know, dead a pile of dead children. Yeah, God. Yeah, it, it hits you over the head, doesn't it? It's yeah. Like, I'm a, although the kids are like clearly like covered in like corn syrup. Yeah, you know. It's it, but it's but it's still like wow. Okay, they're actual children this as well. The director's influences Tr- Trenchard Smith. He he made like gross out b movies and things so i guess he has his he knows how to sort of make horror yeah yeah the heads on stakes is yeah yeah very effective it looks great you know it it, It does it looks good so before we go into the plot anymore we should say it came out in 1989 it did yeah So as we said tail end of the 80s and all those great vietnam movies and it's directed by uh brian trenchard smith who's like an australian yeah british australian yeah yeah yep 
uh, and it was actually written by uh, William Nagel, who is a former member of the Australian SAS. Amazing, yeah. And he wrote The Odd Angry Shot. He did, which is a, another movie that's on the fighting on film list to cover. That came out a decade before. As we were researching for, for this episode, Matt was delighted to find out that um, Trenchard Smith also directed Sahara 1995, which is one of Matt's absolute all-time favourites. So, so we'll come back to that one as well. Yes, I, we need to do like a, a double bill of that and do the do the original Sahara and then the new one. New, I say new one, it came out in 95. Like I was five when it came out. <laughs> I was but we, those two. two. <laughs> that would be a great comparison episode, I think. But I, sure. really, I really like that film. And I, I like... I like this film. I like Trenchard Smith's work. Like on those two films, they're really good. No, but we'll definitely cover them. Uh, filmed in filmed in the Philippines, just yeah. outside Manila. Yeah, some interesting stories behind that. Apparently, they they borrowed some Hueys off the of the of the government forces, and they were fighting. Mm. Well, yeah, there was a there's a communist insurgency going on at the yeah. time, and some of the communist insurgents were both in the movie as extras and also providing security <laughs> alongside having Philippine army advisors and, you know, technical yeah. help with the Hueys and the, the, the M16s That's that it, everyone's yeah. armed with. Yeah. Um, so how that must have worked on set, I really don't know. That must have been... It must have been mind-boggling. Um, yeah. And we we found a clip where where Brian, the director, he says, like, Oh, the the Hueys came in, and then and then the men that were crewing the Hueys said, "Oh, let us just change out our machine guns from live ammo to blank." <laughs> and he's like, "Yes, please do," because <laughs> those those set pieces where the Hueys are hosing down like the human wave via mm. attack, if that that had been live rounds, that would have been devastating. <laughs> that would have slowed production like, up somewhat. I would a little, imagine. a little bit, just a tiny bit. Um, but no, it's all the better for it. You know, all the kit is. It's all right, you know. There's some iffy bits, but we'll get we'll get onto that later. So plot wise, I mean, we've already alluded to it. Um, Alert unit. They they find this rundown town. Um, it's all a bit sort of like a village in the middle of a paddy, and yeah, yeah. All the inhabitants except a little boy are dead. Mm. Um, heads on spikes. Um, piles of dead women that have been clearly raped. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's a very visceral. It's a really it like is. sort of like jarring, shocking scene where. You know, you're going into this film, but you're not quite expecting something like that right at the very like top of the movie. No, like, it sets like, it sets it's, a it's tone, in. doesn't it? it? It sets a tone, but then it quickly sort of releases that tone quite quickly. Yeah, I mean, the whole first act of the movie is kind of like that. So the first act of the movie is sort of almost sort of like an homage to movies like uh, Platoon and Apocalypse Now, where there's sort of like so. in country and mm. weird shits going down, like. They're coming across massacres and um, just, it's really dark. Mm. Um, but of course it moves on from the, the town. They, they're moving through the country and they're, they're looking for like a, an exfil point, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's, there's a voiceover from Amy where he explains that they've radioed in what they found, but the, the higher ups don't believe them. No, they, they don't. You know, it's, it's Tet, it's Chinese New Year. Everyone's heading home for, you know, there isn't going to be, anything bad going on right now yeah and we should also say ermy he bookends some scenes with narration you know he's like we knew charlie had got the drop on us you know it's all very sort of it's a bit cliche but it's yeah it, it does actually serve a purpose it's he carries it well he carries the narration with yeah, conviction you know but it's very much in the sort of 
vein of Martin Sheen's narration <laughs> yeah. in Apocalypse now. Yeah, you keep thinking he's going to say Saigon. I'm still in Saigon. Um, <laughs> it also adds some context to the war, which is it, it's, it doesn't need to do it, and it's it's nice that it's there. You know, especially yeah. when you you know you get these sort of cliche things, just like we thought Division was fighting a different war than us. You know, sort of we're, we're the real sort of we're in the real shit. You know, all, all the lads back at HQ haven't got a clue. There's a little bit where Emmy talks in the voiceover about how. Um they'd gotten to know the people of the village and you know they, they liked them so it was tough to see their heads on spikes yeah and it's kind of he engenders some of that like war weariness you know i like that i think it's good yeah but it, again it's a trope of like vietnam war movies isn't it so there's lots of tropes in this movie but it doesn't suffer for them you know some are heavier than others you know like you've got the the, uh, the helicopter pilot is a bit of a, a madman like mm. and that and that sort of is that's in like that's even turns up in like we were soldiers. Yeah, know, a little bit, doesn't it? A little yeah. bit as well. Um, which is sort of you don't know what who's borrowing from who sometimes with these cliches. It's very true. Uh there's the short timer, the radio op is, yeah, a, is that's a short it. timer. Short short wave. Short wave the yeah, short wave the short timer. Yeah, the nicknames as well. The nicknames is a real Vietnam trope. Mm. You know, you've got like short wave the radio guy, which I think is a fucking great. That nickname. is that, that is, yeah. It it's is really good. good. Um, and then you got Nardo as well, like mm-hmm. just short ones. It's to Nardo. So yeah, they they leave the village and they're they're moving through the country, mm-hmm. and they they move along a stream bed um, with with the Nardo at point, and he yeah. spots a couple of VC coming out of a cave mm. with like a bamboo uh, door. He radios this in, and then promptly like just shoots the two of them, you know, regardless of any other VC being nearby. He's very much shoot quest, shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah. Man. And you know, there's a, an allusion to uh, you know like a, a tunnel rat sort of vibe where um, Amy gets his revolver out and his little torch and a flare. Yeah, red torch. Yeah. Um, but obviously it's not a tunnel. They're going into a cave, so he, he dives under the water, swims in a little bit, and comes across. I can't even imagine what is supposed to have gone in there. It's like a torture chamber sort of deal, where the VC oh, like like of yeah, it's very like medieval dungeon. Um, they've got uh, Sorry, one soldier's. <laughs> what? There's even a lad that's been chained up so long, it's just a skeleton or skeleton. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I just reminded myself of that. Please there is. There, yeah, it's like, it's very gore. It's very like 80s, like horror movie gore type special effects sort of vibe. Um, and he's, and Amy's moving through the, this tunnel. And then he spots the, the 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 POWs, and he rescues one chap. And I just think like the whole scene just needs like this is the end by the doors playing over it, but it doesn't <laughs> yeah. have it. Does yeah. And it, and, but it, it it would fit perfectly. It and would. It would fit that apocalypse now. Sort of like yeah. That's the only thing that really... Brando kind of weird like yeah. vibe. Because this movie doesn't actually have any like classic sixties tunes in it, and I I'm, maybe think that's a budgetary thing. No, it's got yeah. some really awful like synthy. 80s stuff going on in the score which it's one of the one of the parts of the film that sort of like shifts it into that b category rather mm-hmm. than a yeah because it's got a weak sort of like score to it which doesn't yeah. it's it's not got the quality level that you would need you know if it had some like jefferson airplane in there it might help it especially yeah, like but when it, the, you know but when, running through the jungle by ccr maybe yeah yeah something like <laughs> 
you need cliche <laughs> it's cliche but it, it would help it because it, it, that's what people think of when they think of a well, that's one of the things about those you know films like apocalypse I now and <laughs> all metal jacket that really does sort of like put you in the period captures that yeah with those songs you know mm. like the stones and ccr and and the imagery and all that sort of stuff and, I, mm. and that is but then again that that imagery that we think of when we think of vietnam comes from films so it does yeah it, it's it's a double-edged sword you know you've got the the actual war and then you've got the war through movie you know the war through film which i find mm. it's really interesting you no know? it's a good point i mean it's, it's hard to separate the reality from definitely so obviously there's many of those films are based on people true, true who thing. have been there yeah, yeah true um, yeah. but still it's it yeah the, there is yeah. sort of like in the within the popular consciousness of the understanding of the vietnam war i think those four or five movies basically inform almost everyone's sort of like yeah. idea of what the war was yeah. like and i think it, that's because because they're such revered films as well like you know full metal jacket is kubrick and kubrick mm. so well respected that a movie like that is it's beyond the popular consciousness you know it's in like private pile he's always referenced when like you know even if it's not about vietnam because like, oh he's watch him he's a bit of a part private pile you know for a mm-hmm, man mm-hmm. Uh, like someone who's gone a bit unhinged but i just think that's probably one thing that vietnam films aren't very helpful for they they are quite they've seeped out of their own little world um yeah yeah i know exactly what you mean well, from that scene, the, the yeah, really on, yeah. unusually vibed scene, um, which is that's sort of like the end of pretty much the the, the shock visceral element of it. Yeah, yeah. There's a little it, bit more later on, but it kind yeah. of the tone of the movie shifts from now on. It, it goes pure numb after that, didn't it? It, it, it? They come in on the choppers. It's much more they, straightforward. Yeah, they they literally just go straight in, coming into this firebase. And he's like, we're going into a firebase called Gloria. And it's like, oh, okay, now we know where we're going in the mm. name of the film, which is another trope saying the name of the movie in the movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they find them um, firebase Gloria and it's a bit of a shit show. You know, there's lads sort of just chilling. No one's taking anything seriously. It's yeah. There's people down. drinking, people smoking weed. Yeah. You're um, very cli- Again, cliche Vietnam. Yeah. It's the Nam cliches. They're like, where's the CEO? Where, who, who's in command here? Hef- Hafner's got a right D in his bonnet, you know, proper mm-hmm. career soldier. Well, he knows, he knows, he knows that something big's coming because that first act sort of like sets it up subtly yes. and then drums it home at the end of the first act where it goes, the, the POW tells them, that, you know, there's a battalion sized element on the move. Yeah. Murphy finds a camp for a company and he's like and and Hafner's like where there's a company there's a battalion and where there's a battalion there's a brigade you know something That's, like that yeah 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 it's like exactly um, it's the whole situation exactly it, yeah. it's like elevate it ramps the you know the story up a little mm. bit mm. and they encounter in that fishing village oh yeah which is very sort of again to reference it it's very um apocalypse now fishing village-esque yeah yeah, yeah. you yeah. know the the working yeah. on their nets and stuff and bringing the catch in but literally just light that entire village up and kill everyone there. Yeah, they um, do. <laughs> purely because there's some like um con- like service aged fellas there. Yeah, well, and one no, fella gives yeah. them a little bit of happiness, like oh, the, all these men are serving age. I don't like it, and then all hell. Yeah, it's like literally like flicking the safety off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's all those elements that sort of like say that something's going on here. Mm. The massacre in the village, um, evidence of big elements of bc on the move mm-hmm. bc and being in basically you know yep. nearby definitely um with the fishing village and then we get into gloria and, and he tries to explain t- 
to the CEO of the camp. Um, <laughs> yeah. It has to be my favourite scene of the whole oh, movie. Oh, he's great. He's so good. He literally smoking like crack or something, isn't he? The I don't know. It's like him. he's on a bong or something. He's like yeah. smoking something. It's either like opium or something. I don't know, but he's well out of it. He's bollock naked, like just completely <laughs> yeah. naked. Yeah. And one of his men outside is like, yeah, he's probably jacking off. It's after five. <laughs> and and the, you know, they go inside, cuts to him. And lo and behold, he is like jacking off over a, like a playboy. Yeah. Because he, yeah. And he's like sort of gone all a bit sort of like Dennis Hopper, like, oh, he's you been know, in country too long, man. Yeah, man. Like, you, are we like the best we can be? You know, like, he's all sort of giving it the whole sort of hippie shit. Yeah. And well, it, that's one of the elements I really like about it because he, he starts talking about the history of, you know, fighting in the area. That's and it, he yeah. alludes to like the French experience in Indochina. Yeah. yeah. And, he, you know, he says, he t- starts talking about Clausewitz. And he's like, <laughs> well, Clausewitz didn't take into account the, you know, the air cav and air, and mobile <laughs> yeah. air artillery. And, and you're like, that's true. He didn't. Clausewitz wouldn't have known about that. <laughs> but, you know, Clausewitz yeah. has still got a lot to say. Yeah. And they start talking about sort of like um, how the air cav can overcome almost anything, which yeah. is, you know, that's that was the theory. Fair yeah. enough. I get, yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah. But the, that sort of like cerebral conversation very much mirrors the Brando conversation with Martin Sheen's character. Yeah. Yeah. There's all little elements that are borrowed he, or yeah. stolen. Yeah. But he, he's, this, this CEO is having none of it. He's not, he's not in any no. way, shape or form no. interested in... Um, what Ernie and Donardo have got to say. They leave after, and they're like, oh my God, like you could just tell on their faces they're not impressed. Well, the CEO asks Donardo um, whether he, he believes that the, the porno bag that he's looking at, the lady in it, has oh, yeah. the best set of tits he's ever seen in his whole <laughs> damn like, life. Yeah, I know. And I was like, what the hell? Like, come he's on. He's like, yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. Does. <laughs> you know, but then. Oh, I looked it up. That apparently that Playboy is wrong. Apparently it's a 1982 Playboy. No way. She doesn't look like she's from the 80s. Yeah, I don't know. Apparently it's the wrong. She's got a 60s haircut though. I don't know. Maybe it was like a reissue. I don't know. Um, Yeah, but that you know that's it's sort of just that's really like B movie plot is getting some boobs in there, you know, Um, and that's probably why they did it. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Maybe I think the whole scene is designed to shock, and it does. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, you meant to be like, oh my god, it shocks you, but it also. I yeah. kind of laugh. Like yeah, I, I it made me laugh as well. I was like, "Wow!" It was, it's, it's like laugh out loud, absurd. Some of the stuff that's going on in that scene. That was trying to get over again, like this sort of like, "Oh, everyone was drugged out their minds and numb." Oh man, yeah, the well, CEOs I, were, you know. I think it's trying to put you in in that mind space that that Hafner, Ermy's character, is in once he comes out of the CP. Yeah, and he's like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Yeah, yeah. And it's at that moment they decide to frag him. They decide to frag him. Literally, within minutes, they look at each other and they know in their mind, in their eyes' mind, that they're going to kill this man and take command. They just know. And it cuts to night time and they've both got M79 grenade launchers. And I'm like, what the fuck are you going to do? You're going to obliterate the man? Like... It just well, goes they, from zero to 500. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah, they, they basically... they. Um... They fire off a couple of grenades into like the um yeah yeah the ground in the open ground in front of the the fire base and they basically start a contact. It's and a great tactic though. I like yeah, it's, that. It's, yeah. You know, if the enemy aren't there, you know, that make, that's in a shot really nicely. Like the little mm. dolly comes down, the little shot comes down over Ermi, and he's like arms crossed with his grenade launcher, and he's got like 
yeah, he's got like his camo on, you know, he's like a double hard bastard, didn't yeah, he? In that bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then um Donado puts a 40 mil into the, the CP. He does. And yeah. it absolutely obliterates that bunker, which I'm not entirely sure a 40 mil would do. No. Maybe, maybe a little a little bit much. Maybe you hit a I, it's believable. Canister. It's believable. That's the main thing. It doesn't kill the CEO, does it? It doesn't. No, just it doesn't. Him. They drag his naked body out of there. <laughs> yeah. But then from that moment, it's Firebase Hafner, isn't it, really? Yeah. He, um, so he's in command. Takes command. And basically from there, it's it's about him preparing the defences yeah. of um, of Firebase Rock's Drift, basically, isn't it? From <laughs> there on. <laughs> Yeah, it pretty much is. Yeah, and Brian Trenchard Smith has said as much. Like he said, he he, he was influenced by Zulu. Yeah. He wanted to you make the Zulu esque movie, and he did. Hmm. And it, you know, there's so many sort of like nods and elements in there that mirror it. From then on, it's a it's a very different film. Oh yeah, it's a very much last stand, balls to the wall action after mm-hmm. that, and. It, you know, and it's not it's not a bad thing. I'm not bashing the movie for being a, a, a B movie action flick. You know, they they have their place in No, it knows what it is, doesn't genre. it? Yeah, it just knows what it wants to be. And I think it's stronger for that as well. Mm. It doesn't try and like blunt you over the head with any messages or anything like that. It's it, it's quite happy being what it is. Ermi has so many great parts. You know, he really elevates this film for me. He does. He does his powerhouse in this. Massively. And even more tropes come in. So you get there's this bit where they go, oh, there's a photographer here, you know, like a civilian photographer, and he's got a beret on, a big beard, you know, buttons all over his flak jacket, and, mm-hmm. and he's asking him about, like, where do you get the drugs? Because he's obviously, like, been smoking some dope. <laughs> and, like, um, he's not having any fucking any of it. He wants a clean base. And he goes, give that man a rifle, put him in the line. And the guy goes, you can't do that to me, I'm a civilian. And then uh, um, he's just like, you've just been fucking drafted, sweetheart. <laughs> it's just it's like <laughs> so fucking cool. You know, there's so he has so many great lines where I mean, there's there's a there's one in the trailer, which I forget, but he's like got it written oh, down. I think I know what you're going to say. If you if you know it, go for it, because I can't remember the exact words and I don't want to don't want to ruin it. Going to refortify this shithole to protect it like it was your daughter's cherry. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> absolutely such a fucking trailer line but it it's you know and he he tells that to the only other good soldier in the firebase who is um played by albert popwell who is mm, sergeant, sergeant jones. jones yeah who interesting enough was the guy who dirty harry points his revolver at his magnum at. yeah i read that he's in like yeah. he was in a series of of all the dirty harry movies wasn't he really mm. Um, that's a great line that's what he's best known for but i think this is he's brilliant i absolutely loved his character because he's on he's on um hafner's level Mm. they they're both long-term career soldiers they've they've been in the ship before they know what they're doing he outranks nardo doesn't he he does yeah he's he's a full sergeant um Hauser's character donardo is a corporal and it's alluded to that he's been broken yeah. Because he went AWOL after the death of his son, which oh, we'll come back to, to later. That later, crikey. Um, yeah. It was the only thing I ever loved. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh my God, everyone goes from zero to 100 so bloody fast in this movie. Yeah, it's true. But getting back to Ermi, I, I just I wanted to note that even those lines are a little bit hammy that he has, he gives them with such gravitas mm. and conviction that they work really well and they're good lines too it's mm. not like they're like 
weak or dodgy lines they're they're like they're solid like yeah um movie you know blockbuster like lines yeah they really, really like drum home well situation. they're like one line they're, they're action movie one liners aren't they it's exactly what you would want your you know your marine sergeant to like walk around shouting when you're in like a fire base it under attack yeah. by a thousand yeah. vc you know he's, he's like you know, when they're sort of prepping the base he's always like look if you're you know i'm paraphrasing but he's like you know if you don't want to fight you can go home you know i'll get you on the next chopper out of here you can go home if you don't want to fight no he's great in it and he he basically carries the movie you know mm. he's got there's another line that and he's like um there ain't no ceasefire around here that's for damn sure something's coming down something heavy and we've got to find out what it is and he yeah. says that when they're leaving the village and it's just like damn that's a line yeah man and he has those all the way throughout the film yep um there's too many for us to quote because it would just be a full episode of us doing Ali Emmy quotes from from five ace glory <laughs> yeah it would be but i mean if we quickly like you know summing up the plot really from that point on once they fortified the base yeah they're repelling vc attacks pretty much till the end of the mm. movie um but then again there is some nice parts there's also you look at the vc preparations yeah and the nva preparations of the, of the of their part of the offensive which is different not many films cover that um which is quite nice to see you know you've got them sort of trying to zero in their mortars and like th this older general is sort of trying to tell a younger commander what he should and shouldn't be doing so that mirrors um hafner and donado's relationship it does yeah which i thought was good and then also you've got you know the the little bit with the medic in her little yeah that that scene with uh the, the captain who's a doctor the lady lady doctor doesn't really work for me mm. so on the level that you know uh hafner is a career nco yeah. yeah there's no way he'd be so flippant and disrespectful to yeah. Flanagan, her name was. because you know there's that great band of brothers line you know you salute the rank not the man that's it yeah uh, yeah. And it, that's it. That's that's the whole point of rank. You're you know you're respecting the rank, not the person. He just walks in, disregards her totally, and mm. walks out again. And that's pretty much all that he has interaction with her till the end of the movie, really. Yeah, there's a couple of other scenes with her with other 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 yeah. characters. Um, but yeah, her introduction's kind of jarring, and, and it is a bit. And her, she's not a great actor. No, I mean she's not. She's either, not which doesn't help. But she's not. No. There's no one truly awful in the movie. No, there's no one. There's no one shockingly bad in it. She's just a little wooden. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. I thought they were going to do more with that. I think it's meant to be emotional weight. For me, it sort of like comes back round to those Zulu nods, where Chard is talking to the the, the medical officer that's working in in the church, mm -hmm. um, in the mission, yeah. and. You know, it's like, damn you, Chard, and all you butchers, and you know that kind of thing. Yeah, no, okay, and yeah. She's kind of playing that same role. Mm -hmm. um, where you know she's at there's there's a, a point where Donado brings in a, a VC prisoner that's badly wounded and he's yeah. in the hospital beating seven uh, like shades of shit out of this guy in front of her. Yeah. yeah, she's absolutely, and that's one of the that's one of their better scenes. Yeah, she's absolutely aghast. Um, yeah, because Donado's gone full mad. He's gone full private power by that time. He has. Yeah. He's flipped. She's basically saying you shouldn't do that. You know, it's a war crime. Yeah, which you know it is. Donado counterpoints, and he said that you know if if a group of VC got in here, they would kill everyone and rape rape all your nurses. Yeah, in the blink of an eye. And 
later on in the film they do break into the perimeter and they do get into the into the hospital which we'll talk about in a bit killing and they do not. kill everyone yeah but again it's those zulu nods so there's a couple that i noticed um there's the general plot and feel you know the bases you know defended position you know making a last stand no bridge building no there's no bridge building which is a shame no um i think sergeant jones sort of like mirrors kane's role yeah, okay. almost yeah i think you could have that there's a point where um jones leads like a counter-attack with a with a, like a platoon of men mm-hmm. which, which kind of mirrors kane's like platoon of be- good bayonet men from zulu yep. yep definitely um the whole the whole line you know the line thing with the defensive lines that mirrors mm, it a lot too exactly yeah um yeah but then ermy and ermy is, is amalgamation of of baker and kane a little bit as well yeah yeah mm. Yeah, because I would say Nardo is not, sorry, Wings House is not sort of any of those characters really for me. No, no, no. it's true. So, and Amy sort of, his character um, mirrors Baker's role in, yep. in Zulu in that he has like numerous like scenes where he's fighting on his own. Mm-hmm. And then is like, uh, there's, there's there's that scene in Zulu where Chard is, is sort of cornered by two or, two or three Zulu. Yep, yep. You know, he's wounded. And there's there's a kind of that, that kind of scene is also with Amy in Firebase in Firebase Gloria. Mm-hmm. Um and then there's also Donado, I kind of thought he kind of mirrors the missionary a little bit as well. Okay. Zulu, where he yeah. flips. Oh yeah, yeah. No, and he's he sort of like yeah. doesn't have any faith in the war. You know, there's a scene yeah. in the CP where he confides to uh Hafner, Amy, the mm-hmm. He doesn't believe in the war. He doesn't want to be a marine anymore. He doesn't want, to, yeah. doesn't want to fight. That's where the whole storyline of his his dead son comes in, and we learn about, you know, he once was, you know, this lean, mean, killer machine, He's like a career soldier. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the loss of his son has jarred him. He went AWOL, lost his, mm-hmm. you know, he got knocked, got uh, demoted, and he shouts, "It was the only thing I ever loved." And that kind of plays into the uh, the the single survivor of the village that they find who he names peewee and that actually that whole sort of like element to the movie is lifted almost verbatim from uh 1968's green berets with john wayne so there's a little boy in that movie called ham chuck right i think you could also go deeper though because at the time baker's the big star kane's the up-and-coming actor you could also say that ermy's the big star coming off of Fumble jacket yeah. The house is a sort of lesser known name. I just yeah, there's that is that coincidence right there. It's a bit yeah. meta, but it's plot wise, the firebase is defended against maybe like half a dozen Viet, Viet Cong attacks. Yeah, like yeah, six or seven, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But then they also go out at one point and they have their own raid into the VC base, mm. Mm. which is which is really nicely done. Um but yeah, and Murphy, there's a there's a little a young GI called Murphy and he gets his foot stuck on a mine. And they have to it's leave a good scene, him. actually. Yeah, yeah, it's a good scene. It's quite tense, you know. There's that that bit. Of the, it breaks the pace of the film that scene, but it, it does it in a really good way because mm. there's stakes to it. You know, they're trying to weaken the VC's resolve and, and weaken their um, weaken weaken their morale. So it it does actually help the movie out in a way. You're like, well, if they're just going to sit here repelling attacks, and so they're going to get overrun. They and then they take the flight to the VC, yeah. which is it's nice to see, and also their long range recon patrol and shortwave goes, look, we're, we're, it's our job to patrol. Like, well, we know how to do it. We can sneak mm-hmm. and all that. And they let, they actually let them go and do it. 
you know, they go and plant some uh, claymores and kill a couple of sentries and, and then escape back into the fire base and mm. shortly thereafter all the claymores go up and yeah um quite spectacular it's quite a good sequence and there's that whole minefield trope where you know he steps on a mine um but he does it quite well you know he cuts yeah. his boot open puts his bayonet through um through his boot piles yeah. it up with rocks and saunters back up to the firebase so i think that might bring us on to the alley tally It's time for Ali Tally on Fighting on Film. There's a lot in this movie, but there's nothing that stands out really. No, and I think that's the issue with the with this film. Everything's good, nothing stands out. Yeah, maybe maybe it's kind of an allegory for it. Yeah, put that on the poster. So you've got lots of M16A1s, you've got lots of M60s, you've got um, lots of AKs, just the usual sort of like Vietnam yeah. stuff. Vietnam fair. Nice to see the grenade launchers though. They're yeah. nice. Um, they're yeah, people 79 thumpers, cool. yeah, definitely. That's that's a nice inclusion. 50 cals, don't see those in a lot of films. Oh, yeah, especially in the line as well, being used at point blank range. Um, Ermi mans one towards the end of the movie. Yeah, he's, he does. He's burst firing, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> really cool. One of my favorite parts is um Sergeant Jones when he's on the 60, he's on an M60, and he's just he's got his teeth gritted and he's just laying a belt down. It's just he looks like he's having so much fun, and the next to him he's like number two is like feeding the belt through, and he's like got the most straight board oh. face. Because <laughs> boring I'll be shooting the gun, it's boring. <laughs> but I, I there's one little bit I picked out, and it's towards the end of the film, and it looks like they're gonna be overrun. And everyone's sort of on their last. They're I think they're on their last defensive line. Vietnamese have, have breached the wire, and there's this one lad with a machete the whole way through the movie. It was half shows you you using it, half doesn't, and he sort of he goes for a guy and he gets shot. Nardo picks up the machete, and he's like one handing his M16, and he's he's just taking out Viet Cong with this machete. But he does it for all of like ten seconds, and you never see him do it again. I don't know how long you'd be able to keep that up. No, <laughs> well, you'd have to change your mag, wouldn't you? In a bit, you know, like maybe, wait a minute, got to change your mag. Put my I mean, machete maybe down. this is a good point to like talk about Donado's weapons handling. Fucking hell, it's the weirdest way of holding a gun I've ever seen in a movie. He I sort think. of like dances with it. There's so like bits where he's so like he's spraying and praying. Yeah, but he's kind of like moving his shoulders around. He's like wiggling around and holds it out in front of him and jiggles it around. He's going for he's going for mass targets, isn't he? He's not he's not aiming. But I I said to Matt before we started recording, I was like, if you played the game Doom, the, the original Dooms, game didn't come out when the movie was out. But that's how Wings thinks he's shooting. He thinks he's in Doom. Like he he's like proper pointing in front of his face, and he only fires full auto. Nardo don't give a shit that Nardo. Well, initially he has an M14. Yeah, nice to see. That's a good inclusion. Which is nice. Yeah. You know, uses that in the first act. And then as soon as he gets to the firebase, that M14 just disappears. It shows up at um, the end, but it's not in it's not in Nardo's hands. But yeah, there's like a, a, a marksman that's picking off VC as they're coming on. So the human wave attacks are very impressive. Mm. Yeah, you feel like you feel like they're gonna be overrun. They, mm. It does feel there's that way. There's scenes literally where they're like literally like 20 feet apart between trench yeah. lines. Yeah. And there's you know M16s going off and AKs. So there's loads of like Chinese Type 56 AKs and you've got AKMs. That's it. And you've got the old SKS thrown in. So there's a really mm-hmm. nice like smattering of like comm block small arms as well. 
But there's elements where you think, wow, they're really close. And there's a bit where Amy throws a hand grenade at a group of them. And the hand grenade is quite clearly rubber because it bounces off like a sandbag. Yeah. <laughs> and then it goes one way and then the grenade explosion is like behind them to the other side. And they all jump over the sandbags, like that trope of just jumping over. They do that classic like 80s action movie thing where they all like get thrown over the sandbag. Yeah. I, I watched a video about the kill count of Ermi. Apparently he kills 79 people. Wow. Mad. There's a segment where he's on, he's got a, an M79 grenade launcher. Then he's like laying them down with his M16A1. Mm-hmm. Then he's on the 50 cal. And then and then he has like a, a spree with an AK-47. He dealt with a with a bayonet on it. Just running down a trench line, just sticking people, sweeping a trench in front of him. So I can imagine like 17, 71, 79, whatever it was. It's up there. Yeah. It's up there. He bags a few with a 50 cal. Um, but yeah, I mean another, another thing I want to mention, like the 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 kit isn't too bad for a B movie Vietnam mm. flick. It's not too bad. I mean, no. there's some I think there's I think the LERP rucksacks the guys have on at the start might be alice post-war rucksacks don't quote me on it they don't they don't look 100 percent. but everyone's got like 56 m1956 gear on right the tiger stripe that ermy and donado wear don't think it's original nam tiger stripe i think it's a local variant but there were tons of tiger stripe um, variants made it was filmed in the philippines so it could be a filipino Ah, it could be. Like a strike, could be it? Definitely could be a Filipino variant. And then there's a nice mixture of third pattern combat gear, second pattern combat gear as well. Um, you can tell second pattern because it's the buttons are outside the pocket, third pattern. The buttons are inside the pocket. Ah. Vietnam tip bit there for you. 30 round mags. It's the only thing brings the movie down a little bit. Like you were telling me before, you said that only 1,000 30 round mags made it into combat. Something like that. I, they were ordered originally because Cole had an issue with getting them to feed reliably. So like throughout the, the mid-60s, they've been trying to get 30-round mags to work because mm-hmm. the M16 was originally issued with 20-round mags, yep. which is great for shooting them from prone, lying down. They feed reliably, and they look cool too. Yeah, yeah, they look um, good. But quite clearly, like everyone in this movie has like 30-round. 30 mm. 30-rounders 30 isn't really correct for no. 68 no. when tech was going on. The 30-rounders that did make it into Vietnam were 69, 70, and they all came in with XM177 carbines there definitely wouldn't have been that many and i think what did get issued was probably issued to special forces probably almost certainly but yeah it used to be the bane of my life uh, was i used to do vietnam uh vietnam used to do vietnam reenactment uh, many moons ago and it used to be a, a bit of a thing where we go oh you know like 30 round mags aren't wrong and it'd be like yeah they're not wrong but they're not right either yeah it's one of those things that's just it for me i just don't think you can really get away with it contentious but well, there we go. That's what that's that's one of the things. There's probably other things in the movie that are slightly off with the weapons, but the weapons are pretty good. The firebase has an artillery piece and never gets fucking used. It does. It has a pack out, doesn't it? Yeah. It's sort of like just it pans past it and then it's just sat there. All the mortars get wiped out in like counter battery fire in like the yes, first five they minutes. Do. They do, yes. But no, that I think that howitzer might have been a bit of a like a prop because it looked very rusty. Um, if you go back and watch that clip, it don't look like it'd work. Definitely. The only other interesting thing in there is um, Hafner's uh, revolver. Oh, yeah. Which, which is a Filipino arms corps uh, M200, I think. That sounds rare. Revolver. 
uh, not probably not that rare. Not definitely not in the Philippines. No, oh no, yeah. But it's it's cool. It's a cool inclusion. Like it probably would have been like a, a Smith and Wesson or something if it was you know. Yeah, but a thirty, a thirty-eight service, wouldn't it? Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's a, there's a great scene where he's it's at the almost climax of the film and he's been thrown to the ground by him in a bit of hand-to-hand yes. fighting and he yes. draw, he's about to get bayoneted and he draws the uh, the revolver out of a chest rig as well oh, pretty... even better um and he, he's like shooting vietnamese as they're coming up over the top of the trench yeah 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 also in that whole sequence there's that really awful trope of where the two commanders meet and have a fight <laughs> <laughs> yeah they do yeah yeah and then the vietnamese commander has the drop on Ermi. mm-hmm and he's got he's got an Arinko AK in his hand, mm-hmm. and he could do, he could just do Ermi in. He could either bayonet him or put a yep. burst into him. But then he sees a Huey helicopter, and he and he gets spooked and he runs off. Unlike Clausewitz, he appreciates what um, aerial artillery can accomplish. Of course he does. Yeah, <laughs> he appreciates the might of a Huey helicopter, and uh, and that's another great thing about this movie. It's got quite a few Hueys in it, and the Huey sections are really fun. Yeah, but the the internal in the interior sort of like shots of the crews, they're quite clearly not in an actual helicopter. They ain't moving, are they? No. <laughs> they're just bumping up and down like they do in films to replicate it. So like they're singing they're singing like seventh cab songs and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um just like uh, let them let them know we're here. And like knock knock and like let off a, a rocket salvo and just That's like, it. He's got like an American flag bandana on. He does. And that carried his interest in his in that he's sort of like he has the little repartee with 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 Amy's character yeah. and back at the the helicopter base he sort of like goes in and recruits um some of the other pilots to do uh medevac and resupply run to the fire base and the 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 ground commander or the i, think, I can't remember what his actual uh job title is there but someone that someone that controls like the flight roster it, it, like a controller like the ground like the... yeah like ground control some of that guy he's like he's got a clipboard you know um and he, he pulls his uh he pulls his bars out and he turns out he's a captain and you know they've sort of like set him up as this like gung-ho like Time just to be like captain. easygoing yeah kind of like possibly like hippie-esque nco possibly you might think he is he was top gun i thought he was just top gun yeah. pilot he's meant to be tom cruise He's doing he's doing that sort of like basic pilot trope, isn't he? Yeah, cool as yeah, mm-hmm. you know, cool as fuck. You know, he's got his aviators and beach blonde hair. You know, he's meant to be like probably meant to be like a surfer, probably in yeah. like real life. Yeah, definitely. Might be yeah, his motivation. Yeah. Very beach boyy, but he's just good fun, isn't he? And yeah, he's he's good, and it's he's pretty well cast. There's a couple of bits where he's a little bit clunky, but he sort of like gets into it further on, especially when they're bringing in the bringing the heat in right at the last mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. You tell they're having fun, but you know it's hard to like get in the moment when you're in what is probably just like a box made out of plywood, and you're being shaken. You're trying to like pretend you're in a, a Huey, two hundred feet above the deck, firing off rocket pods. <laughs> he makes a good point though. He says, "Don't miss because we're not armored." True. He says about True. the Huey. It's quite. I like that line. Yeah. You know, he's actually th- it's actually like a thoughtful thing to say. Yeah, because one of one of the Vietnamese fifties like cuts them up a little bit, doesn't he? Yeah. It actually murked that helicopter though at that range. I think it ripped through it. But yeah, the, the alley town is a bit light this week. Is it? Just nothing stands out, which is fine. No, like no. the kit's interesting. It's you know, it is what it is.
fave scenes? My favourite scene has to be, um, I think, the scene in the CP with the, the drugged up uh, captain. It's lots of fun. It is a really fun scene. I like the discussion of the historical significance of the area, mm-hmm. tactics, then it completely like flip changes to, you know, talking about tits. Yeah. Um, and then he stands up completely naked and Emmy's face is just an absolute picture. He's like, okay. I wonder if they did that thing they did in Alien where they didn't tell the cast the alien was going to burst out. Oh, yeah. They didn't tell him he was going to be actually bollock naked. Because yeah, <laughs> Wing's face is like, damn, you know, oh my God. It's a funny, it's fun. I like it. Any it. um, it more? I really like the scene after one of the one of the fifty crews has been um, has been killed in the night by um, Viet Cong infiltrators, mm-hmm. and they've all had their heads cut off. Oh God! How, yeah. How the Vietnamese managed to like do that with no one seeing, them. you know, in the dead of night um, without anyone hearing it, uh, I have no idea. But they managed to steal the fifty and then leave the crew's heads on spikes. Hafner is absolutely incensed that all these men have been killed because they haven't been paying attention. They haven't been, you know, they're in this situation where they really should be paying attention, but they aren't. And he has this brilliant line. He's walking through the firebase, holding their heads, holding one, like two of their heads. And he's like, this is Corporal Walker. (laughs) Walker has lost my respect. Has anyone seen the rest of Corporal Walker? (laughs) And then he has this brilliant sort of like line, which is also in the trailer. And he's like, there is no doubt in my military mind that we are in a deep shit situation, people. Now, if any of you dog-faced dope smokers don't feel you're like you're putting your share of the load around here, you can pack your shit and get your young asses off my fire base right now. So cool. I can't do I can't do Emmy. I'm not even gonna I, try. I can't either. But it's yeah. such a great little line. It's so good. Or like the way he's like speech. showing their heads, like it's so juxtaposition, like. <laughs> What the fuck are you doing? These are these are dead men. Like what the fuck? These are your men. Like, like, have you, you seen doing? Corporal Walker? Or yeah. <laughs> it's like the scene. I wonder if the scene from Tropic Thunder where Ben Stiller picks up Steve Coogan's disembodied head and pretends to like drink the blood. I wonder if that's ripped from that. Oh god, that make a whole lot of sense there. I mean, for me, it's such a throwaway scene, but I think it is quite unique. When tech kicks off, Ermi goes in this thing. You know, no one was expecting it. Mm. They hit us hard all the way up the line. You know, even in even in a place where we thought we were relatively safe, Saigon, they hit us there. And it shows a brief scene of the U.S. embassy getting attacked and raided um, yeah. in Saigon, and that's quite a major thing. That's a big thing um, in the tech, start kicking off the tech offensive. You know, they didn't think it. You know, it shot the world sort of thing, mm-hmm. and it's really nice. The movie showed showed it. Not sure if any other movie attempts to even show that raid. It shows VC commando squads running through hotels and, and gunning yeah. everyone down, and explosions are going off. And it's that opening to Tet that you know yeah. went on for weeks, and it seventy thousand Vietnamese died, mm. like just like huge numbers of dead for like the Viet Cong, um, but also huge numbers of you know American deaths too. Yeah, of course, it was huge action, huge. I mean, it's it's where the war turned, isn't it? It's where. You know, the movie even says it, you know, we were winning, we seem to be winning the war, then Tet happened and it all hit the fan. Did a bit of thinking, that's dangerous, but I did a bit of thinking when we were <laughs> watching. I think that, obviously, this movie takes place when Fullmetal Jacket takes place, because Fullmetal Jacket's Tet as well. So I like to think it is, yeah. it's in the same universe. <laughs> <laughs> Just like to think that, because it's 
they could you know up the river or something up the, up yeah. the yeah i can understand i can, country, I can I like. see that that's that's good head cam. Yeah. i like that yeah <laughs> ermie and ermie and joker pass on the on the big bird home <laughs> both sitting there <laughs> Yeah, when they get when they get sent back to the states, I, I like to think that'd be really funny. There's a fan fiction there for you. That's good headcanon. I like that. I do like. Yeah, that. it's a bit of fun. So, uh, Rich of the uh, Vickers Machine Gun Research and Collection Association, God, try and say that when you've got a few beers in you. Um, <laughs> he mentioned on uh, Twitter that this movie has a link to Toy Story, or this movie and Kelly's Heroes have both have links to Toy Story. So Don Rickles voiced. Uh, Mr. Potato Head and Arlie Omi voiced Sarge of the, the little the little green army men. Of course he did, yeah. Another one of his iconic characters. Yeah, it's a cool little tidbit there. Nice bit of movie trivia. I mean, my only other favourite part of this movie is is those battle scenes. They do sort of mirror Zulu. So Trenchard yeah, Smith do. definitely achieved it. The scale's impressive. Mm. So some of the cinematography is nice. Um, you know, you've got those long shots of the, the hordes of VC running up towards the firebase. I, mean, I quite like it where they they come in with the VC and they go up and then they show you the the firebase from like height. I quite like that. That's nice scaling. The cinematography is awful, you know. It's it's quite good. The one I do like is is that is that um, POV shot we get as Donado's on point uh, yes. shortly after leaving the village. So yeah, that is nice. Get a shot down down the um, the stream that they're walking through, mm. which is pretty cool. But that ne- that never gets repeated. There's never another. You know, you could have had a POV shot of uh, what what Amy was seeing when he was you know lying on his back with his revolver fighting off the VC. Yeah, that that might have been quite good actually. I think sometimes like the the chaos of the sort of hand to hand combat could have been shot. It is quite a close shot, mm. but it'd be nice to sort of have maybe eight. Yeah, as you say, like a POV. Yeah, it doesn't sort of capture that frenetic element to it. You don't have this feel yeah. of, of of you know some some shots. In certain movies, you you feel like the bayonet's coming for you. Like in Hamburger Hill, the the fighting in that movie is like you feel like you're slogging it out mm, in that mm. film. But in this one, it maybe it's just a bit flat. Like the grading isn't there. It it it's something. There's something that's holding it back. Definitely. Yeah, it has that eight sort of like late mid to late eighties sort of. It's got like a sheen over vibe it. going on, doesn't it? When it when it comes yeah. to the sort of the the cinematography of it. The practical effects as well. The sound design isn't bad. Um, mm-hmm. I like the the sound of the M16s. It's very punchy. It's got mm-hmm. that metallic sound that M16 seems to have. Yeah. Um, which is really nice. You can tell a lot of them are doing single shots as well. They are. Yeah, they're probably conserving their. We're not made of blanks. We're not made of blank. <laughs> no. The Filipino army are giving this this blank. Let's not take the piss, lads. Um, <laughs> you know what more can we say on it? It's 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 a B movie. You know, it's not. We don't have to force it to be something it's not. No, like I said at the beginning, it's a tidy above average B movie. It really and is. And it does some interesting things, like the the portrayal of the the Viet Cong, and you know the showing of um, the commander and his uh, subordinates, and mm. you know, and some of the the scenes where he's like looking over his wounded and and talking to you know some of his men. Definitely. That gives it a, that gives the enemy a human element, and that's a refreshing thing. I've rarely done in war movies. You know, you you don't usually get to see the other side. No, during no, and it reminded me a lot retrospectively of um, uh, We Were Soldiers. Oh, yes, and yes, and that's a movie that does try and show the command decisions of the, the enemy commander as well and show some of the human element of the, the, the Vietnamese that were fighting the Americans. 
So that's interesting. Of course, while we were um, doing a little bit of background research for the for the episode, we came across a, a video of, of Brian Trenchard Smith himself, sort of like explaining how he had a slightly different vision for the film. And he, he basically explains that the film was going to be bookended by um, Ermi and the Vietnamese commander meeting years later, this moment of reconciliation for the two sides. Mm. And he felt that this would have lifted the whole film, you know, considerably. And it kind of, uh, you can kind of see why there's that sort of like fight between them now. Yeah. That's why they look at each mm. other like they do. So yeah. Without knowing that that scene was going to be added at the end, you think, Oh, it's just that old Hollywood trope of the two commanders you know, meeting in the battle. Mm. But Trenchard Smith was really intending it to be linked back to, you know, they to meet that. and, you know, they shake hands and eventually, you know, they kind of, you know, reconcile. They have a moment of reconciliation. It didn't get included no, because... It got cut. Yeah, it got cut for whatever reason by the production company. Um, he, sa- he says in that clip. Mm. And you can tell it, you can tell he's annoyed by that. Yeah. Well, yeah, he had a vision and he wanted that vision to be, you know... Yeah. But then again, thinking about it, would it... Would it have elevated it? I don't think so. Would it just have been a janky scene at the end? I think it probably wouldn't wouldn't have lifted the film any higher. I think I'm not I'm not sure it would have done much personally. We can't continue any further and go into final thoughts without mentioning the most climactic and troubling scene of the entire film. <laughs> which is yes. during the, the Oh my god. The final battle. Shortwave has been killed, been mm-hmm. been shot several times. Paul, Mer- mm-hmm. Paul Murphy's been bayoneted by about three Vietnamese. Yeah, guys. yeah, he got and, he got it bad. You know, they're both dead. Uh, Arlie Ermey's like fighting it out on his own with his, you know, he's rolling around in the trench with the, the VC, like shooting them in the face with his revolver. The hospital has been overrun. Most of the, you know, the the wounded have been like shot and bayoneted, and it's taken yep. it's taken the 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 head doctor a good good ten minutes to find a rifle and finally like defend her wounded um yeah it takes her a while yeah really yeah, does like the poor pow that they rescued at the beginning of the film manages to yeah, take one more. of them out with a bayonet and it was a stylistic yeah. choice in that they wanted to show all these men getting bayoneted and killed they didn't want to show the actual like linear flow of time of how long it took the doctor to get a rifle and you know yeah um, i think actually i know what she was doing there she was reading the famous will eisner cartoon m16 <laughs> pamphlet about how to keep your weapons safe and all that. She's she's quickly leafing through that. She didn't want to, you know, she didn't want to get dirt in the bolt before. No, she was busy looking where to put the right amount of lube on her bolt carrier. She was, yeah. That's what took her some time. She was sitting there, she had it, she had it open, cleaning it out, bit of gauze. Right in the middle of the battle when she's meant to be tending wounded. Immediately after, you know, this climactic um, scene where the the battle's reaching its height, yep. um, Pee Wee has has fled from the hospital. And he's out in the lines, he's in the trenches, not knowing what yeah. the hell's going on. The poor Running little wild, line. yeah. And Donardo, who's really grown attached for some reason to this child, um, probably because of the death of his son, I suppose. There's a bit where he sort of like explains to to Hafner that, you know, he might not be his son, but he's the closest thing he's seen to him in a while. This is a yeah. weird line. But it's like who? What? <laughs> but anyway, he's he's desperately trying to get to this poor child that's stuck in the middle of this <laughs> firefight. This Vietnamese child who's clearly just running back to his countrymen. Yeah, um, know, he's just trying to get back to people he 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 thinks are familiar to him. Right. Like, why am I in this American firebase? Like, what? The- 
where the fuck am I? I'm trying to get, I want to get home. And the VC commander spots the child, scoops him up. As you would. AK, as you yep. would in that AK situation. AK in the other hand, sees Donardo yeah. running up and fires uh, maybe two rounds. Yeah. Striking Donardo directly in the balls. Got Nardo in the nards. <laughs> Which is the most bizarre choice of like, what, what in the plot Fuck, demanded that he get shot in the balls? Fuck knows. Maybe it's retribution for like losing his son or something. It's like some fucking high avant-garde fucking reason. You I, know. Don't, I don't, I was just like, I, oh. I hadn't seen the film for maybe like two years when, before I watched it and sat down because I was excited to do it because I like this film. Yeah, it's good. And I was like, yeah. God, this this is some good sort of climactic, you know, last battle going yeah, on yeah. right now. And then it's just like you get almost instantly pulled out of it. Yeah. By <laughs> Donardo getting shot in the balls. And you're like, you're Not thinking, sake. why? Why why was they just because like he... shot in the stomach or something? Yeah. Well, he even just he tries to keep running after he him, he's like holding he's, on to his... he's clutching his balls at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, what? Why it just bring it just I, I mean, completely perhaps there was some yeah. sort of um parallel that they were drawing from something elsewhere. I don't know. It, you're right, it completely pulls you out of any emotional punch the movie had, and you're just like, What the fuck? And then the next thing, he's like, Well, firstly, the VC then... attack breaks up because you know, yeah, air cap for 10. Yeah. Great, fair enough. The, the VC fall back, yeah, yeah. and then you're right, the next time you see him, he's nowhere near where he got shot. No. He's with the doctor, you know, because she hasn't got any patience anymore. Um, no, no, and no. he's sort of like spread eagle, like crucified with yeah. his arms above his head, holding onto two rocks with yeah. just his, his crotch covered in blood. Hafner comes over and he's like, are you okay now? And he's like, no, I'm not. I've been shot. He doesn't mention the fact he's been shot in the balls or anything. No. But he looks at the doctor and she's like... There's not much I can do for him right now, but we'll get we'll get him on a chopper. We'll get him out of there. Yeah, he'll be fine. Yeah, he probably would have been, you know. But he's he's he survived that. And then he asks like Hafner to off him. I'm not going out, man. Not like this. I'm not going back to the states. Not like this. It's just like what? Hang on, you'll be fine. They'll patch you up. You'll be fine. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's commentary on the macho nature of war. Yeah, no, yeah, okay. Perhaps that, you know, that I mean, that's the only thing I can possibly think of of linking getting shot in that particular area. Yeah, it's a masculating thing. Mm. He's a big macho man. Yeah, okay, I can see the I can see the connection. Still Definitely. really weird, really weird. Hefner basically takes out his um his arms core revolver. You know, they have a little touching sort of like parting moment and then he he shoots him. Shoots him in the head. And you just and then that's just left thinking, wow. And his voiceover at the end sort of is um, possibly part of what Trenchard Smith had in mind for, you know, mm. having a slightly different ending that would Tiny. have been a little bit more um, in line with reconciliation. Because if there's meant to be another scene after that scene, it doesn't help because you're just coming off a scene where a guy decides getting shot in the head and, and being killed is like worse than going home because you've been shot in the balls. Mm. Like it's just a bit, it's a bit mad capped. Yeah, thing. I mean, I, I, mean, so, I we can rationalise, but it like, would have yeah. it would have been a very uh, stark like jump cut as well. To yeah, it would have yeah. Twenty years in the future, I'm guessing it would have been you know he's in Saigon or Hanoi, and he you know he, he meets this VC commander, and you've got immediately gone from I've been shot in the balls to reconciliation. Yeah, it just 
it, it's a bit of a juxtaposed. Like, I don't think it would have been a bit of a reach. Mm. Maybe that's why the studio cut it. From what uh, Trenchard Smith said, it, I, I think it was a, a matter that the studio didn't want so much of a reconciliation vibe. It's a bit odd, isn't it? Mm. Like, because there's not much beef between the countries at that time, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, but America had bigger things going on in late 89. You know, gosh, you know. <laughs> Well, you just got you just passed all, Grenada. You just passed that whole uh, ramping up of uh, the Cold War with Reagan. Yeah, of course, uh, yeah. uh, th- that yeah. late stage of the Cold War is sort of ramped up a little bit again, hadn't it? So, mm. more final thoughts. I like it. It's a good film. It's fun. You know, it's a fun film. Yeah, as, as I said at the start, get a few beers, get some popcorn. No, it's 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 an above average B movie. I think yeah. the only ways it could have really been improved. It's got a great plot and it's got a great script. The score lets it down a little bit. Yep. The scale of it's impressive. The special effects are good. The cast isn't bad, but I think it would have been served by some stronger actors in some of the like you know the key roles. Uh, Albert Popwell as Sergeant Jones stands out for me. I, does, I, yeah. I really do. You know, I I believe him in good the character. role. He inhabits it really well. And it's a very believable character. He's there and he understands the brutality of war, but also there's that scene with Donardo where Donardo's ordered Murphy to kill wounded VC. And he says, yeah. Jesus Christ, they're killing him. And he goes, yeah, it's war. It's not my war. He, he brought Gravitas to the role and it sort of gives uh, me someone to bounce off. But I think Hauser probably is in it a little bit over his depth. There's some Took fairly wooden performances in the supporting cast. But yeah. some of the some of the actual you know like dialogue and work that the supporting cast are given isn't great. They're not given much to do. They're just mm. there to be shot at. No one has a lot to say. You know, even um, the young kid um, Murphy. You know, he's probably the he has the most to say out of all of them, mm. like the minor characters. But even then, like you know, what well, he nearly gets blown up by a mine, and then the next scene he's he's bayonet to death. Well, he has that short short scene with the with the doctor, but that's about it. A slightly bigger budget. Some slightly stronger supporting actors might have elevated it yeah. even further, but it's a tidy, yeah. above-average B movie. I think it's endured the test of time. You know, it's been on Netflix in the UK here yeah. for for a few. I think it's been on and off it for a few years. I wasn't disappointed on watching no. it after a couple of years. I enjoyed it just as much as I had. No, I wasn't either. It was um. So I've seen it a few times now, and it's um. It's always nice to watch. It's like really, it's good. It's a rewatch. The rewatch value is quite good. Yeah, I mean, it tries to show the realities of war a little bit, you know, the complexity, mm. the barbarity. It tries to show sort of like the human side of things with Donardo's sort of like tortured um, conscience going on with his son and the shock of conflict. You know, Murphy portrays that fairly well in the short scenes he has, yeah. you know. And if, you, you know, if you're a fan of Ermi, exactly, <laughs> can't recommend it more. It's one of his best, one of his best performances. Really good, isn't it? It's a really solid performance from him. He, he basically does elevate and almost carry the movie in places oh he does carry it and the sympathetic portrayal of the vietnamese is possibly ahead of its time yeah it is it is it is ahead of its time and it's and i think that as well as another thing we've said all along you know it, it, that's what pushes it out of b-movie territory it was a good romp we enjoyed it a lot of you in twitter land we loved it too i think that wraps it up doesn't it it does let us know Brilliant. on twitter at fighting on film what you thought of the siege of firebase gloria um we always like to know what you guys think of the movies we love chatting to you on twitter um you can find us at fighting on film and you can hashtag us with fighting on film you can do and leave us a like subscription 
uh, written review would be lovely on whatever you're um, listening to especially if you're listening on a on Apple Pods that'd be brilliant to have some more written reviews we'd love to know what you think and share it with friends too yeah of course Yeah. if, if you have any friends that love war movies then let them know about the podcast we'd love to hear from them so uh, until next time everybody have a good one and we'll be back soon catch you again even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.